Welcome to The Ledge. My name is Chris Harper, and I'll be your host every week. Every Tuesday, I will interview an artist, developer, or creative mind from the Web3 space. I'll be getting up close and personal with my guests as we explore the emerging crypto art and NFT scene. It is my feeling, along with many others, that we are in a digital renaissance. The emergence of blockchain technology has revolutionized the way we look at ownership, provenance, and digital assets. It is my goal as your host to help shed light on these complex subjects, and even more so, the individuals behind it all who are carving out their place in history here on the ledge of Web3. My name is Chris Harper. I'm recording an episode of The Ledge with my friend at Jack Simpson. Jack's a digital artist and photographer in the NFT space. He's been kind enough to come on this evening and have a talk with me. Welcome, Jack. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. I want to just talk about how I how I came across you. I, I actually found you on Twitter. Um, I was looking at some other photographers' work, and I saw something that you commented on and which made me click on your um it made me click on your twitter and and then i looked at your your link tree and i was just blown away by your your pictures your photographs they're awesome and uh yeah like your style is just such a like cool style and it, it like it just it's like totally my vibe like that street photography style of yours and so i think i like mentioned you or reached out to you and we started talking on twitter a little bit and then um, you invite and you invited me to um, participate in an edition drop that you had, and and so I've just kind of been following along with what's been going on with you via Twitter and the social media since then, and it's uh, looks like a lot of things are are happening for you, which is really awesome. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to speak with you, and it's great to kind of put a put a voice with a, a you know a, a Twitter handle <laughs> and uh, and really connect in a different way. So I, I really appreciate this opportunity. Of course, man. It's always cool to go from the metaverse into, into real life, right? With people. Yeah. From you know, I, I've been doing that several times over the past. It started for me at ETH Denver. I was able to meet some people that I'd been in touch with uh, on the internet and just having it come full circle and being able to vibe with people in person. And, and uh, it's just so much um, it just solidifies the things that we're building online. And then uh, NFT NYC, I got to see some of those same people again. And, uh, you know, you just become fast friends when you're kind of funneled into similar interests and, you know, text-based communities. And, and then the, the ability to meet people in real life after all of that is just like, you just feel like you know each other. So... I totally agree. I love that, man. I really had intended to try to connect with you at NFT NYC. And I, I'll be honest with you, I just got so like overwhelmed with like everything that was going on and all the people. I didn't have time to get around to everybody that I wanted to meet. Got it. Got it. Yeah. NFT NYC was, um, was awesome. Um, and, uh, the, the drawback is just there's so much going on. <laughs> I almost wish it would be all under one roof in like a convention center uh, because <laughs> crisscrossing someplace like New York City uh, or even Denver, it's it's tough to keep up with everything. But uh, yeah, that's wild. And we can catch up in person. 
for sure. I look forward to that as well. So Jack, I just start everybody the same way. I'd like to talk about your background, like basically like who you are, what's your name, which, how old are you, where are you from, where did you grow up, what did your parents do? You know, Can we start with that? Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself that way? Yeah, for sure. So uh, my name is Jack Simpson. I am 42 years old. I'm living currently in Napa, California. Um, and let's see where to start. Um, I got started in photography, uh, in a roundabout way. Um, uh, my career before photography, uh, I was a paramedic in San Francisco for about seven years. Um, was hired by the San Francisco fire department and a string of bad luck. I was injured in the Academy and, and got bumped out. And it's not one of those things where they say, Oh, we'll heal up and come back. It's like back of the line, you know? Um, and at my age, I'm like, I can't go through this process again. You know, <laughs> it's brutal enough as it is. So I decided to switch gears and the whole time I'd been taking a documentary, pictures for the ambulance company that I worked for, just kind of doing that on the side as well as being a medic. And um, it really kind of snowballed after I uh, came back from the fire department. My boss was like, how about you, you know, just focus on photography for us. And so that allowed me to kind of build up a portfolio of documentary work. Um, And then I I knew that I just couldn't continue uh, the paramedic work long-term. It's just kind of grueling. So um, I started to build a portfolio of little events here and there. And that then I first, I got my first wedding uh, booked. And then now um, six years later, I'm a, a full-time photographer um, uh, professionally. So I do portraits, weddings, events, basically anything that comes down the pipeline. And um street photography has always been in the background of that. It's kind of what got me using a camera. I was using an old, I think an iPhone three when I first started like just trying to take pictures and then wanted to make it a little more serious. And so I bought a Fuji um, way back in the day and then just kind of self-taught. I knew you shot with a Fuji and actually I'm a a Fuji camera user myself. So I, uh, we have that in common. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Fuji's the things things don't get in the way. I feel like menus and all that stuff. Uh, that that's for computers, <laughs> and I just love the Fuji Fuji for its analog nature. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, my my family, uh, you know, I have two. Yeah. Where's your family? Where'd you grow up? Where? What part of the world did you grow up in? California. I, grew up in, uh, I was born in Michigan. Grew up in between Florida and North Carolina. Um, right I moved around a lot, even though I don't have parents in the military. So. Um, I basically became an adult in North Carolina and, and went to school at Appalachian State University. I studied biology, and um, all through college, I was actually working in a morgue. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I say that and laugh, but now that I hear myself say it, uh, it's kind of a really weird backstory. But I was working in a pathology lab and became an, a, a pathology assistant. So I've always had that sciency uh, nature. I've been always drawn to that, um, and one thing led to another, and I uh, it, that brought me out to the West Coast for work. And um, you grew up in the South. You said between Florida and North Carolina. Yeah, pretty much. I, I'd say uh, 
yeah. Um, and then once I hit the West Coast, though, I just can't see myself going back. Um, I live in South Carolina, so I live kind of just in between North uh, North Carolina and Florida, where you were going back and forth oh, from. Nice, nice. But but California is certainly a different vibe, huh? Yeah, I you know it, I um, it's I don't know what to say about it now. It now it's home. It's been home for uh, twelve, going on thirteen years. So. Um, yeah, it's the the weather and just the the diversity of it all, from topography to people. Um, so that's what I like about it most out here. And you said you live in the Napa area. I do, I do. Um, it's not all wine and cheese out here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have a, we have actually we have more uh, we have more wildfires than than wine some years. <laughs> so what did your parents do? What kind of work were your parents? And in, in yeah, so my, uh, my mom was a, a stock broker, uh, retired now. And my dad was a funeral director. Um, so maybe that's where I get that <laughs> nudge to do. Um, do you remember the H do you remember the HBO show? I think it was called six feet under. Is that right? Or yes. they, were they kids all grew up in the morgue? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Is that what it's like? <laughs> no, I, I don't remember. I don't remember uh, growing up in the morgue. He uh, he kind of switched careers as well, like a little while after I was born. So I don't remember ever being in in that in that setting. Is any anyone in your family an artist? Yeah, my my mom is is the artistic one. I would say um, she loved to paint, um, decorate. Um, she, I would say interior design is like a hobby of hers. She would sew things like curtains. And so there's like, there's a creative, uh, underpinning there. I think that's where I get my drive or my, my, my desire to, to create something. So, well, that's certainly a form of art. I mean, interior decorating and, you know, sewing and creating things with fashion, all that kind of stuff is is definitely uh, an art form. My fiance, in fact, is really into all of that stuff. And, you know, that we always have a sewing machine running in our house. Got it. Yeah. Did you have any art education? Did you go to call any, have you like had any formal education in the art? No, no formal education. When I first got to App State, I, I, wanted to try graphic design and then I got into a drawing class and I, I uh, vividly remember bringing some of my best drawings to uh, one of these teachers and, you know, Hey, where can I go with this? And (laughs) they just, uh, you know, really scoffed at it. And that really kind of turned me off from even, even going, pursuing that as a path of study. So um, yeah, I just really felt deflated in that regard because it's like showing someone something that you love and then having them say, no, 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 that's not how it's done is <laughs> I've always really balked at that. So, um, it's funny. That's kind of a running theme in people that I talk to. It seems like, you know, a lot of people that wanted to become artists, there's somebody always, somebody kind of in the background, kind of discouraging them. You know, I talked to a guy yesterday who's like a wicked successful uh, photographer. And, you know, he said when he was making that career change, his family was pretty discouraging to him about it. Yeah. I, um, I think that, you know, the, in order to be like fully creative, the guardrails just have to be off. I mean, I, who's to say that, you know, you, um, yeah, I could go, I could go so many directions with that conversation, but, um, I see it a lot in the NFT space, uh, you know, um, 
where there's there's lots of unwritten rules, then there's some very very vocal vocalized rules, um, and you know it's we're all figuring this out as we go. But I think in the wider art community, everyone's just figuring it out as they go anyway. Um, so live and let live. Live and let live, man. I agree with that. That's a sentiment I love to. I actually say that a lot. Jack, let me ask you: When you started taking photographs, did you? Did, you said you didn't have any formal education, so you didn't go to like like a proper college or anything for that. But did you do anything like an informal? Did you like YouTube or take online courses or anything like that? Yeah, I, I would say YouTube was a was a a big one, um, especially at, right around the time where I started messing around with the Fujis. Just there's. Um, there's so much out there um, that's really readily accessible. So I never felt the need to like take a class or, or whatever. And the nice thing about the um, the types of cameras that I use, it, it's like an instant visual feedback. Oh, if I adjust this uh, setting, I can see it happen in real time. Uh, I think if I was starting out shooting film, um, th- th- that would be different. Um wouldn't be able to to see the the changes in real time and so i think my learning was accelerated having started with digital um and then working backwards for sure and i think like you know in this like instant gratification world that we live in like people are used to like you can just take your iphone out point shoot right you got a great picture you yeah. know but, but there's a lot that goes into taking a picture say with a fuji camera that's i mean it's it's not it's not that easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, and I still, I mean, I have, I, I can, I can manipulate the camera, like not even looking at it now, which is, is the most freeing uh, feeling, but I still struggle with like, oh, what, what do I want my settings to be? What do I, you know? Um, so uh, yeah, it's all, it's the learning process is, has been great, but, but nothing for nothing formal. Do you know what inspired you to become a photographer? Um, I think uh, this is going to sound weird, but I think laziness in in a way. Like I used to draw and paint. Um, I had a job for several years doing um, chalkboard sign art for Trader Joe's, uh, both in North Carolina and New York City. And so I, I love that aspect, but it, it's slow and costly and um so i think that the the digital camera just offered a way to kind of go out into the world and and create something from nothing it's just this black box that can produce you know life-changing um digital files you know whatever is on those files um whether it be a you know a, a poignant protest during like 2020 or something just whimsical and amazing that, you know, that, that happens to come across your, your view during the day. Um, the digital camera that I think just really dissolved that expenditure of time. I totally, totally agree with that. Photography is such a powerful art form. And, uh, it's funny. You just mentioned all of that traditional art background. I I was, I was going to ask you, do you have any art background besides photography? And you started talking about the chalkboards. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I, you know, I, I have, I, I, my earliest memories of, of, um, of art. I, I 
would doodle in class, like back in elementary school or even earlier. Um, I, I have tons of drawings from, I, I think that's all I did in school was just doodle and draw. And um, I think that as, as I got older, I, I still kept up with that, but not as much. And then um, I, I've been a huge fan of typography and lettering. Um, I got briefly into graffiti um, for several years. N- nothing like spray painting, going out there and tagging or anything, but just the uh, the calligraphy of it all and the different hand styles. And I've always loved that. So this job with Trader Joe's came along. I could actually make their signs and basically given an office and total freedom. Like so being paid to like create things it was just like this is unreal i love this job and so i did that for many years and um that's really the only other job that i've had where i've been able to be creative and get paid for it um oh, that's amazing man. Yeah. yeah i i've asked a lot of people this that i've interviewed and i'd like to ask you this question do you remember the first thing that you ever created that you can call art like way back your earliest memory of Oh boy. Um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is, so this, I guess this is it. Um, I used to draw, I would picture a notebook piece of paper. Um, and I used to draw the tiniest little, uh, body, like, like a stick figure, but you know, a little more formed than that. Uh, and then I would draw this tiny little neck and then I would balloon out the head as big as the, the entire sheet of paper. So this little tiny body and this massive head. And I would do that all the time and I would get such a kick out of just the ridiculousness of it. I don't know. So that's my earliest memory of, of creating something with, with uh, an instrument, you know? So maybe not. I wish I could say, Oh yes, I, re- I remember the day, but. Um, Did you ever title it anything? Did you call it like have a name for it or call it? Uh, I can't say, but I, man, I, I know I still have uh, some of those. That's um, amazing. Drawings stashed away somewhere. What would you, you're blowing up on super rare. You're going to be a big time artist, man. That stuff could be valuable one day. You got to take care of that. What What about digital? What about when in the, do you remember like the first digital art or photography that you created? Well, not now that I'm, now that you're really jogging my mind here. Um, I used to play with Mario paint. It was like a, a Nintendo game, but you could do, you could, it was a little bit like Microsoft. I remember it. Yeah. yeah. And I can't even remember what I did on that, but I do remember being uh, really interested in that. And then I kind of pre Photoshop, I was always messing with Microsoft paint. Um, I started doing flyers for some local musicians uh, back in college, just, just using uh, any, kind of uh real crude techniques on on um on that platform and then i got really into photoshop once um that came around in the days of uh what was it not napster but where you could basically get a pirated version of anything i had access to be able to use photoshop 
I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like Frostwire or something like yeah, that. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Yeah. And so, the, yeah, I just started messing around with that, and now, like, I pretty much use these tools every day for my work, um, which is is a trip. Yeah, that's totally cool. What do you um, What do you use now? So when you so you use a Fuji, uh, which camera are you shooting with? Which Fuji? Yeah, camera? well, uh, so my my personal work, my street photography and everything, I use uh, Fuji, just mirrorless, small body and lens that that is practical for the situation. Uh, but professionally, I use Sony's, um, and only because I put them through a lot. I mean. You know, I've I've done three weddings in the past two weeks, and just just one wedding. You know, that shutter is actuating thousands of times. So uh, the Fujis just weren't holding up to that workload. So the the Sony's, and then they're a little bit faster focus, and I I'm a little bit more confident when the moment matters with the Sony's. So the Sony cameras are real workhorse cameras. They're yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been, I am, I am by no means a fan of the output of them versus Fuji, but um, I can, I can make them uh, with a little bit of finessing, make the files feel like, as natural as possible. Well, let's take let's take like the wedding photography out of the picture for a moment and just focus on your like your street photography, which is what uh, which is what your art is really based around. With that Fuji camera, are you, are you do you have it all set up where you like you're you when you take the picture, the can the photos coming out without having to really edit it. Yeah, I would say that um, I'm I'm pretty spot on in terms of my exposure. I I'm the way I work. I'm not really run and gun uh, like a Gary Winogrand style where I'm, you know, kind of chasing moments. Uh, I usually find my photos and build them from the background to the foreground. So if I I, I more often than not, I'm trying to find a clean canvas to kind of paint from um i find a lot of street photography from in my humble opinion fails because there's just not a lot of figure to ground uh contrast you know the characters get kind of blended into a messy background or there's traffic or what have you in the street it's any number of things so i i work um to find those backgrounds and I, and I wait, it's, you know, just like fishing. I, I, I sit there. So I know what my settings are. Um, if there's anything fast motion, that's, you know, for, for instance, I take a lot of pictures of birds. I've usually got it on burst mode. Uh, if I'm gonna, you know, there's a photo, there's a photo that you took, I think it may be on foundation. Uh, it's like these birds, um, there's shadows of birds against a yellow, like van or a truck or a bus yeah. or something. Yep. Like, I love that photo, Jack. Like it's, oh, it's thank how, you. how did you, how did you, how did you come to compose that photo? Yeah. So I was at the farmer's market in downtown San Francisco and, um, that, yellow truck is always there. There's usually a couple of them. Um, so it has always been a nice, just kind of clean background. Uh, but then one day, um, there are a lot of pigeons and seagulls that, that frequent the fountain next to the, uh, the, uh, farmer's market. And they were just making circles around the, uh, 
the farmer's market and casting shadows on the, the truck. And I saw it once and I was like, okay. And usually uh, my first lesson, if I were to ever give one for street photography is if it happens once, it's probably going to happen again. Um, and so um, I've just waited for, you know, they made their, their rounds and, um, and was able to get, get one that, that felt full and complete. So um, yeah, that's what it's one of my, um, I would say most popular photos and, and, and I really like it cause it's, it's clean. I, I think uh, I just always love the aesthetic of cartoons you know, they're just, just clean lines, very, very uh, clean color. So right on. Yeah. I just pulled it up on foundation. I'm looking at it here and it's just such an incredible composed photo. I love that. There's another one that you took um, and I don't know where to find it. Maybe you can tell me, but it's like, it's just like uh, you're in an airplane and you took a picture of the, the window of the airplane from the passenger's yeah, yeah. perspective. That, that photo just to me is just like, I don't know, man. I just, there's a couple of your photos that really just like move me a little bit and make me well, I feel, feel something. Yeah. Oh, well, there's a little quick story behind that airplane photo. Um, the, so my wife and I were boarding a flight early morning uh, on our way to Maui as we, um, we tried to do once a year, like a little vacation. Well, um, I took that, photo and not more than 10 minutes later i got the invite to super rare uh, while on the plane's wi-fi and so like by the time i had landed um i had announced that hey i got accepted to super rare and for whatever reason that kind of set off the the bells and whistles for and people started just buying my foundation uh pieces so i I sold so many pieces just from, you know, technically that, that moment in time on that airplane, by the time I landed, I had like four sales, um, having never had any sales before. So, um, that, that, uh, air airplane, uh, picture may, may make its way onto the blockchain some, someday. I hope it does. I'd like to try oh, to help buy it. <laughs> you, um, yeah, that's a, that's a really powerful thing to have happen in an artist's life, huh? Where you're, you're, you're this photographer, you're taking photos, you're, um, you're selling things on foundation. I'm sure as an, as a budding photographer, especially like a year ago before, I mean, really nobody was buying photography, right? Like, right. especially in this, in the web three space. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you start making these sales. How was that for you? How did you, how did you handle that? Yeah. I mean, it's still, it's, I don't quite know how to handle it. You know, I've always believed in my work, you know, I'm not going to be ultra humble and say, you know, Oh no, it's nothing. You know, I do try very hard to, to find images. And now the, the older I get and the more uh, I do this, the less I want to put out. I mean, not just because I've had some really popular photos does not mean everything I take is worthy of putting out there and it's especially with street i'm not directing any of it so it really is just a roll of the dice um and so when like these little successes happen or big successes i I don't quite know how to handle it because it's it feels like um like is this really happening (laughs) 
you know, because 364 days a year, I'm I'm like banging my head against the algorithm, and uh, you know, I am friends with some very very successful people with social media and everything, and I just cannot crack that nut. Um, never have been, and probably never will. Um, and so I, you know, these it does come in waves, and I'm super thankful for it. And um, yeah, I just <laughs> it it does feel maybe not life changing in the way that like getting married or um, you know doing a career change, but um, it does feel good, especially when I do this now for a living. Well, Jack, I think you know success for people in my experience and my you know. M- 50 years of watching the world go by is that things happen very slowly, slowly, slowly until all of a sudden, you know, and then all of a sudden, boom. <laughs> yeah. Know, it's just, that's how things happen. I'll take it any way I can get it. <laughs> right? Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. What got you from the point where you're a digital photographer, you're taking these really cool, beautiful photographs and you know, I don't know where you're, what you're doing with them. How do you go from that to like, now you're in web three and you're, you're minting art on the blockchain. What was that transition? Yeah, so, um, I, um, I was speaking with a friend on Instagram, just actually complaining about like engagement was super low. And, you know, that's kind of where I built my entire audience and built my, my castle of sand here on somebody else's turf and I can't even get access to people who said they want want to follow me. So I was uh, just kind of expressing my like frustration with that. And um, he basically said, "Man, um, Instagram, it, you got to come over to Twitter. Um, make yourself an account. Um, I'll give you some accounts to follow." Uh, and and he was heavily involved in in Web three and and NFTs. And so it just piqued my interest. Um, you know why not? And so I did exactly what he had uh, kind of prescribed. And um, within one week, uh, I was just uh, able to engage with people. And it just felt like a, and it still does feel like a very vibrant um, community of people um, versus just, uh, just the scroll of other apps. What was the first thing that you minted personally? Do you remember what that is? Yeah, actually, the um, the piece that I put out as the edition of thirty um, called Mirror Mirror, I originally put that on uh, Foundation, and um, when all of the when all of the kind of initial success of the my streets collection started um, happening, I just looked at that piece a little differently, and I said I don't want to let this go for you know, for just any old, uh, you know, it it was just more special to me. So I, I burned it and, uh, I then said to myself, well, this is going to be my super rare Genesis. And so then I put that up on super rare and there it sat. And the more I thought about it, when the conversation of additions was coming out, I thought, you know what? The same reason that I put it on Super Rare because it was so special, I don't want to sell it on Super Rare because it, only one person's going to have it. And to this day, it's my favorite photograph. And uh, so I burned it from Super Rare. <laughs> and uh, so it's had. That's it's, so cool. Uh, yeah, it's it's had many, uh, many iterations. And now it's in um, 29 separate wallets. 
So, you know, I feel like um, my in- initial intentions for that piece, um, um, it it came to be. So I'm really happy with how that turned out. That's amazing. And uh, I'm happy to say that I have I have a copy of Mirror Mirror in my wallet. Thank you, Jack, yes. for uh, inviting so me to be a part of that. I, I was really happy to um, participate in that edition. Let me ask you about that photo. It's a pretty, it's a pretty special photo. I mean, that's a really amazingly composed piece. Um, Can you talk about how that was created? I've actually thought about that a few times. Like, how did how did he um, (laughs) how did he get all that to line up? Just the way, right? Right. Yeah. So the um, back when San Francisco was a thriving metropolis, uh, you know, it's it's very much subdued now post COVID. But um, that alleyway would be lined up with um, commuters, uh, bikes, um, scooters, and Vespas, and all that type of stuff. And um, the, their mirrors would always be facing the opposing wall of the hardware store in that alley. And the hardware store has a mural of mishmashed San Francisco. So the, the Golden Gate Bridge and different little icons, uh, iconic landmarks. And so I just remember rounding the corner one day and seeing the bridge in the reflection of one of the mirrors and I was like, hot damn, let's try to make something out of this. So I, um, I, I think I stood in that spot for like 15 minutes, just trying to get the two bridges into the shot. And then, um, also there's, a, there's a bird spray painted on the garage across the way. So I wanted to add that element into the piece too, uh, without anything really overlapping, and then along comes this this lovely lady and dressed in black, just kind of completing the puzzle. <laughs> so she hey, just we... made the whole thing come together, didn't she? Right. She's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's so, wearing like know, these tall black boots and her blonde hair and her black. Yeah, outfit. yeah, yeah. And I, um, I, I just, I love the piece because there's a little bit of, uh, there's a bit of it that I did uh, take part in composing. And then there's just that element of chance. You know, I may have not even turned my head left that day and not have seen any of that. And to this day, I couldn't go back and recreate it. I've, I've gone back to that alley um, a few months ago and the birds painted over. Um, nobody rides their bike into the city like that anymore. So that alley is just kind of empty and that's the power of photography for me in, in, in a lot of ways that, um, you know, the value of it, it just accrues over time just by virtue of that. It, it is a slice of time. I definitely, definitely, I definitely feel that Jack. Um, do you have your own contract? Are you, how do you mint stuff? How do you have like a manifold contract or? Yeah. So the, 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 uh, the mirror mirror edition of 30 is on my own, own uh, manifold contract. Um, otherwise, the streets collection was uh, I put that out prior to even knowing about manifold, so that's on the foundation contract. And then uh, Super Air, I believe, is their own contract. I don't know where I'm going to go, uh, honestly. From here, um, I I would like to. Well, I'm working on a, a a large collection that hopefully will be on my own contract as well. There's a big learning curve to go from, you know, making art and taking pictures and doing stuff in Photoshop to like learning how to 
you know, create a manifold contract on the blockchain. Yeah. Like, what yeah. what is all what does all of that mean? Like, I mean, people listening to this podcast may not even understand like the words that we're using right now to describe these. You know, can you explain like your your process of learning and all of that and how um, how you how you kind of wrapped your mind around it all? Yeah, I mean, it's I try to explain this to my parents, you know, what what all of this is, and you know, they're in their 70s. So it's like, wow, there is no elevator pitch for this stuff. Uh, But essentially, you know, the crypt uh, NFTs are are backed by crypto, the value is, uh, is, is bought and sold in cryptocurrency and the blockchain where all of these uh, works are stored are minted as we say yeah and so uh you know i will take a photograph and i mint it to the blockchain meaning i i pay a little bit of a fee to permanently put it on this digital ledger which is essentially what the blockchain is and um we can assign different rules to how people interact with this photo for instance if i sell it then if someone sells it after that i have established a rule that uh, I will receive 10% royalties for life for the lifetime of that image um, each time it's uh, bought and sold. So, yeah, learning how all of that works is was a really, really um, steep learning curve. Um, and it's still a learning process. There's so much to it. The basics I have down, but by no means, I mean, there are people out there who are like staking tokens and things like this. And I'm just like, okay, well, <laughs> I got to like, I don't know. I've been hardcore into this space for about a year, Jack, and a little over a year, maybe like coming up on a year and a half now. And, you know, it was, it was just all so you know, it's also complicated to understand in the beginning. One of the ways that I um, like onboarded myself to learning is uh, my, my fiance and I just started writing blogs to explain to our friends and family what we were talking about when we were talking about NFTs. Yeah. I'm I'm glad you just explained that on the show because I think people listening to me, but not everyone listening is going to understand what we're talking about. So that was a really good way of putting it. Um, Sure. Sure. You said you were in the process of creating a large collection. Can you talk about that at all? Yeah. So I have essentially a very, very big archive of photos um, that, you know, they're the ones that I'm talking about are, they're not bad, uh, but they're not standalone pieces that I would ever put up in a coffee shop to try to sell or put on the blockchain to try to sell as an NFT maybe a print here and there, but, um, they're just, they're the ones I've decided are my B roll. Um, but they still have purpose in, in a way I would never delete them just because they're not, you know, the, the stars of the show. Uh, so I am coming out with a collection. I don't, I, it's very, very early on right now, but it will be a collection probably of a hundred or more, uh, butterflies, and essentially what I'm doing is I'm knocking out certain colors of uh, real butterfly wings and I'm superimposing my images into the design of the butterfly wings. So essentially these, like a butterfly, you know, comes out of its cocoon and, and has metamorphed into uh, a different 
thing. Um, I'm taking these kind of duds, these photos, and I'm turning them into something collectible. And um, right now, um, I'm just in the process of kind of solidifying what it will look like. And um, I have tons of demos and renders that I'm working on. And I think I've finally arrived at a final design. So each uh, butterfly will have its own rarity traits and um, and each one will come with the photograph that was used to make the design of the wings. So kind of has repurposed my archive in a way that is a little bit more um, utility driven. That's that's pretty cool, man. Uh, I think there's something in the air with the butterflies. You're my second guest um, that I've interviewed that's talked about doing a, some type of a collection that has butterflies. I have another guest, Ex Sulo, who's a graphic artist and an illustrator, okay. you know, and does like, yeah, and he, he's doing some something with butterflies too, which uh, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Nice. I, I like, I like that. <clears throat> Can you talk about your process? Like where does an art project begin for you and how does it get rep- wrapped up and delivered to a customer? Like, can you walk me through that? Yeah, in terms of my professional work or just the... Yeah, yeah, either one, either one, whichever one you want to talk about. Just like, I'm I'm interested in your process, Jack. Yeah, um, I would say in terms of if it's left up to me to determine the beginning or determine the end of a project, it will never, ever end. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm a perfectionist to a fault, so I think that I... I trip over my own feet a lot in terms of um, my progress forward. For instance, I I may be um, juggling around these butterflies for the next year when I conceivably could just stop right now, decide and design, and then be done by October. Um, so, yeah, in terms of uh, delivering projects for clients – um, there is that balance of my time, my family, um, my sa- own sanity. Um, <laughs> my my early weddings, I mean, I was going through every photo. And if there was like a fire alarm little thing on the wall in the hotel ballroom, I would be Photoshopping, you know, like touching <laughs> up everything. And it just got to the point where like, hey, if they if they don't want these things in the shot, then maybe have an outdoor wedding. <laughs> but um, That seems to be a running theme with artists that I talk to. Actually, you're not the first person that said this. Like, you know, okay. it's like, like wrapping stuff up and getting things finished, you know, because people that create art like you do are, tend to be perfectionists and you want it to be just perfect. So like, how, you know, there's a struggle there. Like, how do you just say, okay, this is done? Yeah, I think I think is being able to remove yourself from it for a, a a certain length of time, and then to come back and realize that the changes that you were making on that one photograph for the past hour didn't amount to a hill of beans in terms of the actual vibe of the photograph. It's you know no if the if the shot is powerful enough, nothing tiny in the background is really going to like throw it off too much. So, um, just kind of knowing when to stop, when, when to devote a healthy amount of time to, to it. Um, I 
sorry, I don't have like a concrete answer, but I don't, I don't have like a, no, uh, no you don't have to have, you don't have to have one. There's no right or wrong answer, man. I just, uh, you know, we're just talking and I, I just, you know, I'm just, I guess like, I just am trying to get people to understand like the mind of the artist, you know, that's kind of yeah, like the whole yeah. purpose of my podcast is like to kind of like pick into the artist's brain a little bit and like get a little insight into like what's going on in there where you're, you're, you're creating, you know, this stuff that's, um, that's that's so moving and powerful to people you know yeah i well i do, i will say that like behind behind the curtain it's it's kind of messy you know at least my process is there's there's a whole bunch of uh you know my desktop my literal desktop and then my computer desktop is just a mess with like <laughs> i've got um you know memory cards everywhere and notes and it's a jumble um, so being able to kind of clean that up and have it pass a fine mesh filter so you're not letting anything just out there into the world under your under your brand. Um, but yeah, I, I would say most artists that I've met, most uh, photographers that I've met have that element of like wanting to perfect something. Um, Do you have a mentor or somebody that you can like go to and say, Hey, is this done? <laughs> Do you talk, Do you have like somebody like that in your life? Do you work no. with a team or any other people or have anybody that you work with like that? Yeah. I, you know, I have, um, I belong to the San Francisco, um, uh, street photography club. So it's, it's a group of members that, that we give feedback on each other's work. Um, and so, uh, I've leaned on them quite a bit um, because it's not just, Oh man, that's great. You know, just, I don't show anything to my mom for feedback. Cause Oh, you're the best. And, <laughs> that looks great, honey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not, uh, it's, it, you know, sometimes tough love is, is very, very um, can be very constructive. So um, I would say if I could, if I had a genie lamp here that I would be in a place like such as New York city where a lot of my photographer contemporaries are that I can like work alongside them or have dinner with them and share a drink with them and, and vibe off that here in Napa. I'm really just, it's an Island um, God, in terms man. of there are a lot of creative people out here, but nobody's doing street photography. And usually when I work in San Francisco, I'm, I'm by myself. I prefer that. Um, so yeah, I, I wish that wasn't the case because NFT NYC let me know kind of how much I was missing out on um, when all of your all of your uh, um, people you look up to in the in the space in the creative space are kind of vibing with each other and then okay I got to go kick rocks back <laughs> in Napa. <laughs> I mean I'm not complaining about living here. It, it's just um, yeah, it's it can be a it can be a lonely venture. I feel that. Let me ask you this. Who inspires you? What artists do you follow? Who do you emulate? Um, you know, can you talk, tell me some people? Yeah. So um, a few that come to mind, um, I would say the person who most closely uh, we really share a vision of our visual output is uh, a guy by the name of uh, Craig Whitehead. Six Street Under is his um, handle on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I got the chance to meet him in person at NFT NYC and really started to realize, you know, we do kind of view the world in, in, in similar veins. Uh, so I, I really look up to his work. Um, his output is, is amazing. And he's just, um, he's, 
extremely critical of his of his own work too. So he's someone who, living and breathing in this moment, um, is one of my top top five. Um, Dave Krugman, um, he's also a New York City photographer. Um, he's the one that got me into the NFT Web three space, and um, his photography is he's just multifaceted in terms of what he captures and, and um, he also works professionally too. And his, his commercial work is stunning. I love Dave Drugman and actually I have him booked as a guest, so he's going to be coming on the show. Fantastic. Soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah he's excited uh, to talk to him. superhuman. Um, uh, Billy Din, he's also New York city. And um, I, I have never photographed things in a cinematic style. Um, and a lot of people do, uh, but Billy is someone who is just, I feel like a w- one large stride uh, ahead of the pack. Um, Billy has a photograph of a, like a street scene with like a, there's like a traffic cop and like the sunlight's in the background and there's yes. like this mob of people walking by. It's one of the most like, it's one of the most badass photos I've ever seen. Yeah. And I, I, t- I'm, uh, I don't know if I was there for that shot, but we went out uh, two days in a row where that's the the uh, Manhattan Henge where the sun lines up um, on the avenues like that and um, or the streets. And um, yeah, it's, it was just a phenomenal person to work with and, and also a great friend. Um, I would say people who inspire me from the past, uh, I, a big follower of uh, Fred Herzog. I really love his his work. Um, and Harry Gruyere, um, those two are probably my, my ultimate, uh, photo inspirations, both, both work in color. Um, and, uh, I've taken a lot of visual cues from their work. I think um, Herzog was a, like a fifties photographer or something like in the thirties, forties. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Um, Geez, I, I couldn't tell you the years that he worked, but yes, er, early, um, earlier, passed away just recently. But um, right on. Yeah, his right uh, on. his modern color book is kind of it's on my desk right now. I'm constantly thumbing through it and just looking for ideas, and um, uses longer focal lengths too, which I find to be using more and more as I the longer I do this. Do you believe that art should come with utility? How do you feel about that debate? Is have you gotten into that at all? Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? People I, chatter about that on Twitter a lot. Yeah, I think about it a lot. I think that the the art has to the art has to just do something for someone, okay? And and um, does it need this extra facet? Like, oh, you you know, turn the artwork over and now it's a puzzle you have to, I mean, I don't think that it needs all those bells and whistles. I think that web three, or I'm sorry, the, uh, the technology that underpins all of these NFTs, it makes it easy and fun to add utility. Uh, but I don't think it's necessary. I think that, um, yeah, you know, I could go either way with that. Uh, I think that, we're going to see a lot of, or we already have seen a lot of people trying to cram utility into a project because it's there. And I think that, you know, to each their own, uh, it does make projects for me just even one more facet to, to get involved with or to, you know, to discover. 
Um, but if, if the art doesn't really hit me in the chest, then, um, well, it doesn't really matter what, what's next for that piece really. Um, yeah, so I agree. I agree with you. Hey, Jack, I want to stop you for just a second. And, sure. uh, four, three, two, one, your auction just ended on super rare. Oh boy. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Guppy NFT at 2.85 ETH, man. Congratulations on nice. that. That is Do you know your what's your relationship with your collectors? Do you know your collectors? Do you how do you yes. how do you curate I, that relationship? Can I ask about that? Of course, yeah. I um I know 90% of my collectors. Um and now um I don't even know the number. Uh at least have quite a few in uh, that the edition um, has collected. And I try to be as um, I want to be mindful of these people. Be, when I say these people, I mean people who are only collectors in the space uh, because they're, they're inboxes, they're, they're DMS and they are constantly being, um, you know, bombarded with, with, um, uh, with stuff. So I try to be very mindful how often I am in touch with them, but I try to, um, be as, as, uh, you know, as much of a friend as possible because they're supporting this journey of mine. Who's collecting your art, Jack? Like who, who is it? You know, like who's the, who's the buyer of Jack Simpson NFTs? Ah, that's, you know, um, I am proud to say that both male and female, um, many age ranges so that's that's really cool many different uh nationalities and ethnicities so um i feel that in itself is is great you know there's nothing where i have just just a very uh diverse <laughs> yeah yeah there's, there's, there's I'm not speaking for, yeah yeah i love that man i love that that's so good um so you just sold a you just sold a one of one called daydream to guppy nft do you know who that is i do it's uh guppy nft is a um is a trio of collectors and i consider each each of them my friend they have taken time out of their their busy schedules to have zoom calls with me um, I met them in person at ETH Denver. I was introduced to them by Dave Krugman and, um, they're just fantastic people, you know, that are, um, are all for this renaissance of art right now. It's um, funny. I didn't know who they were, but you know, my first guest on the show is Michelle Viljones from South Africa. She oh, was, okay. uh, yep. She's another street photographer who I really love and follow. And um, she had mentioned Guppy NFT as like being somebody that was instrumental in helping her get, you know, her contract done or something, you know, if I remember correctly. So that, yeah, 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 right on man. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I think that, you know, meeting them in person, I really, and I think I did well with this because, uh, uh, but I was super concerned with, I don't want them thinking I'm just talking to them because I know they're a collector and like I'm trying to get something like, I really like really appreciated the the conversations they engage with me, you know, with art and, um, and it, they've just, um, they've just been stand up people uh, who I consider friends. And that's uh, funny. That's something that, that Michelle and I talked a lot about was just like, you know, I think people can feel when someone's genuine. You know? Yeah, yeah. 
And so, you know, Jack, I feel like, you know, just from talking to you and what I know of you, you seem super genuine to me. So I don't ever think you would come across as being like that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you talk I, about I, this photograph that you just sold? You just sold it for, um, it just sold to Guppy NFT, just bought your um, super rare one of one. It's called Daydream. I'm looking at this picture on my computer right now. It's a beautiful photograph of, uh, it looks like a, a, a female standing on uh a hillside with a black and white umbrella and a red coat and black pants overlooking a beautiful bay through a broken fence. Yeah. Yeah. So this was, um, this was taken back in 2015. This is the, uh, this was less than, I think a few months after I got my, uh, first Fuji camera. Um, and, I had uh, gone up to this uh, battery Spencer is the uh, it's a military uh, installation uh, right there. If, if you could see to the far right of the picture, you could see the golden gate bridge, like bam, right there. And that's why uh, everybody who goes there is fixated on the bridge. Um, so I turned around and this person's gazing out, you know, not quite in the opposite direction of the bridge, but, looking through the, the hole in the fence. And it just, it just struck me that just the colors and everything. Uh, so snap. So you don't and, know your sub, do you know who the subject is? You know who she is? No. Um, so there was a, there was a photography meetup up there. Um, and, but I do not know who she is. Well, that's the nature of street photography, man. You don't know who most of the people are probably when right, you're taking right. street photography, right? I mean, it's not like you know these people. And, I, you know, it's funny. I wonder that about uh, your mirror, mirror photograph. I wondered, like, I wonder if he knew her and had her walk by there because it just looks so perfect, right. you know? Yeah, no, I, uh, even though I'm, uh, it seems as though um, I'm, I, I, I do want the photos to kind of, look staged in a way. Um, but, um, yeah, with this particular one, it was just, um, I never really put it out there as street photography cause it just doesn't have that streety element to it. But, uh, I think what I'm going to do going forward now is kind of not stop doing street photography, but stop trying to cram everything into the bookends that are, that define street photography. Um, I find that I've reached the point where there's only so many times I can line up uh, something to block somebody's head and it just doesn't do anything for me anymore. Um, so I'm, yeah, looking, looking outside of the normal, the normal route. So tell me this, Jack, um, we're getting close to the top of the hour. And before we wrap up, I just want to ask you like, um, how is you talked about this big collection you may be working on is there anything that that's happening in uh jack simpson world jack the street right now that we should be looking out for do you have anything coming out soon or um anything you want to like tell anybody that's listening to look out for i appreciate that opportunity um i the uh the butterfly collection i i maybe didn't lead on that it, it's a little more fully fleshed out and ready to go than I maybe had led on. Um, oh, right on. Yeah. Once now that I have everything decided, so I, I am aiming for October for that release. Where would, where will we find that? Do you, do you know where that's um, going to that come is, out on? That will be, um, that will be, I'm working with a developer. So that most likely will be on a custom smart contract. Um, and it will be available on OpenSea. Um, and 
I'm not sure about how um, it will play out on other marketplaces, but I, it will be available on OpenSea for sure. And you will be the recipient of one since you're the the collector of, of that edition piece. Um, I'm giving all uh, 30. Um, awesome, man. Yeah, all collectors who have collected from me giving like a, a chance to kind of work with me to make a custom butterfly. So um, your art does come with a little bit of utility. I have another yeah, yeah, you know, Jack the Simpson. I, I get uh, I get a butterfly. That's awesome. I love that. See, I, that, that's what I love about the NFT space, man. There's just so many ways to, like, you know, to connect with the collectors and for the collectors to collect, connect back with the artists. It's um, it's unlike anything that I think's ever happened in history. Yeah, it's it's and also staying top of mind with these collectors and and such as yourself. Letting I, I think the big thing now is just letting people know that, you know, this isn't um, this isn't something a flash in the pan for me. This is my career, and and I will be here for <laughs> whether anyone else is or not doing this. And I think um, being able to reward collectors with with things here and there, uh, free mints or, or you know pieces kind of dropped into their wallet that I can. I can, that's my way of kind of giving back and, and, um, giving them some more value. Where, where do you direct people to find out more about Jack the street and Jack Simpson photography? What's the best place to look? Yeah, I would say, uh, jacksimpson.com is my, that is my professional website. Um, I have always struggled with, um, the, par, uh, parsing out my street photography from my commercial work because I've gotten a lot of uh, commercial work from my street photography. But uh, when I'm photographing wine bottles and brides and things like that, sometimes uh, bird shadows against a, <laughs> a moving van, you know, it's not quite the, the right, uh, doesn't hit the right notes. So uh, to follow me, I would say Instagram is probably Instagram and Twitter are where I'm most What's your at. handle on Instagram and Twitter? Uh, Jack the Street. Jack the Street. Okay, and it's spelled just like, just like it says, Jack the yep, Street. That's right. Okay, very good. Is there anything that you want to say about yourself or your art or your vision of the future for the art space that we're talking about that I did not ask you about? No, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. There's nothing that I would really want to add about myself, um, other than this is. Um, I will say I do feel I do agree with Guppy NFT that we are in a renaissance right now, um, where uh, at least with blockchain technology and and NFTs, artists are kind of able to be self sovereign, um, not beholden to you know the powers that be that are um, using their art and not rewarding them. So I'm really really happy to. I feel like I'm at the forefront of this, you know, where this is just getting started. And um, I encourage everyone to, uh, to kind of do your own research on, on what it is that we're, we're all kind of collectively building here. It's how you and I were able to meet. And, um, and now I, you know, consider this a, a friendship well-made and um, me too, Jack. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Michelle said on her, um, on her interview with me that we don't need to say starving artist anymore. That's a term we can eliminate from our yeah, vocabulary. Yeah. 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 Amazing, man. I really enjoyed talking to you, Jack. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for the great conversation. Um, I look forward to 
putting this podcast out into the world and letting people get to know you better. And uh, I, I just really appreciate you and, and, and the work that you do. So thank you very much. Of course. Thank you so much, Chris. I'd like to thank all of you guys for joining me on this episode of The Ledge with Jack Simpson. Uh, you can find Jack at Jack the Street on Instagram or at Jack the Street on Twitter. And JackSimpson.com is his website. My name is Chris Harper. I'm the host of The Ledge. And I'd like to just thank all of you guys for listening. If you have the opportunity to go to the podcast app that you listen on and rate and review my show, I would greatly appreciate it. And I thank everybody for sharing this with your friends and family who want to listen, learn more about digital art and NFTs and Web3. You can find me at chrisharper.eth on Instagram or on Twitter at, at harper underscore underscore chris on Twitter. Thank you, everybody, and have a great evening.